1964, the music duo Simon and Garfunkel released this album called The Sounds of Silence. And the title track is The Sound of Silence, starts Hello Darkness, My Old Friend. Goes on to talk about the whispers and the sound of silence. Um, this song is really about the inability to communicate with others. Our inability to communicate, Sound of Silence, is really about us not being able to communicate. And I want to relate that today to our inability or the, the hang-ups that we have with, uh, uh, with communicating with God. So we're currently deep in our series titled The Voice of God that is uh, followed quickly on the heels of uh, the last series called The Will of God. Um, and like I said earlier, every Christian needs to understand the will of God. Every Christian needs to understand the will of God. And we took, what, four, five, six weeks to do that, right? Talk about the, what the will of God is. Hopefully we have a better understanding of that. If you're still wondering about it, I think those uh, messages are still up on YouTube. You can go back and you can review those. You can take a look at what we said. What God says is his will. But the same way, when we're talking about the voice of God, every Christian needs to be able to discern the voice of God. You know, we, talk, we sang about the voice of truth a couple times here earlier. You know, sometimes we get those lies embedded in our lives. We start to believe them. We start to live into those lies rather than living into the truth that God gives us and God, what God tells us in his words. So one of the best ways to be able to be in contact and be in connection, uh, be in, in communication with God is to be able to step away from the cacophony of the world. You know, I mean, sometimes... Um, I'm going to actually say usually we choose to have that noise in our lives and in our world. Like my daughters um, were looking, they've got different cars now, and they're looking for ways to Bluetooth their music from their phone into their car, right? And there's a lot of different options, a lot of different ways to do it. While we're having this conversation, I casually mentioned that my truck that's out in the parking lot right now doesn't even have a functioning radio in it. I mean, I, I can't Bluetooth anything into that thing. I, I, the only music in there is when I'm singing. And they were like, wait, so when you're driving, you're just alone with your own thoughts? Oh my, I said, yeah, you know, sometimes I like that. Even when I have a radio in the car, I'm not always plugging it on. A lot of times I'm just driving in silence. Sometimes it drives other people crazy, but I, I found it very, very refreshing. I mean, music is everywhere. Um, you know, sometimes we say if there's not music going on, it's that awkward silence. In fact, we, during a worship and music committee meeting, you know, before a council meeting, uh, we were talking about how we've got to get music uh, moving faster in a couple places in the service. So there's not that awkward silence. And I was like, yeah, that's, that's kind of how we are right now, right? There's, think about it. There's, um, you know, background music everywhere we go, in the grocery store. Um, elevators, we call it elevator music for a reason, Right? Or in the mall. Have you ever been walking in the mall? In the, in the hallway, the mall is pumping one song, right? And then you walk past a store, and they're pumping another song, and you go to another song, it's like, well, I got schizophrenia. It's a guy drives a guy crazy. But all of that is stuff that we choose in our lives, and it all um, disturbs what I call the sound of silence. But on the other hand, truth be told, there's a long time in my life that um, I was paid to uh, do that kind of music. I called it music to be ignored by, right? Cocktail music, dinner music at wedding parties and things like that. So, you know, the, the only time that the band, or I'm sorry, the only time that the crowd really notices the band is what? When the band stops. We're stopped to change songs. You get this, you know, kind of polite golf clap awkward thing going, why, why did the band stop, right? So we notice, though, when there's not that music in our lives, right? Which leads me, uh, in contrast, to um, today's contestant on your favorite game show and mine. We haven't played it for a couple of weeks, so I thought, where can I squeeze this in today? Who it is? Man, nobody got it at the first service either. I thought this was a gimme. This is Oscar Wilde. 
So he was uh, a playwright, um, wrote some poetry, died around 1900, heavily influenced by Edgar Allan Poe and by Shakespeare and others. He's got a lot of famous quotes I like. I got a book of his quotes. One of them is this. It doesn't apply today, but it's a really good quote for us in general. Always forgive your enemies. Nothing annoys them so much. All right? That's Oscar Wilde. So one night, he's in a club. He's in a nightclub. And Oscar had this habit of kind of working wherever he was. He said he would get inspiration no matter where he was. Kind of like Beethoven when he's composing his symphonies. He always had a notebook in his hand and was always writing things. Oscar always had things going because you never know when you're going to be inspired. So he's in this club. A lot of cacophony going on. People drinking, having a great time. Band going on over there. He's a very famous man in his own time. So the band director sees him sitting over at the table. And he goes over there and he's thinking, I'm going to get some points with this guy. And he goes over to him and says, hey, Oscar, um, is there anything that you would like the band to play? Oscar put his pen down, looked directly at the band director, and very sarcastically said, I would like the band to play chess. <laughs> yeah, right. Anyway, so that he can concentrate, a little bit of peace and quiet, right? A few weeks back, speaking of distractions, Brother uh, Jared um, demonstrated some distractions in real time in here, right? Real time in here about how we get distracted. And it's difficult. We understand it's difficult to have effective communication when you're distracted. And there's, a time, there's times when you have to prioritize, are we going to listen to the distractions or are we going to have that effective communication or whatever it is that's going on instead of that communication? For example, um, my daughter, Bethy, and I've got, I've got her permission to tell this one because she loves this story. Um, she calls frequently, and she always calls on her time, right? But parents, give me an amen to this. When your kid calls, you pick up the phone, right? No matter what you're doing, you pick up the phone. I could be in a meeting, I'm going to pick up that phone. Well, one Sunday afternoon after church, she calls. I'm sitting there, it's in the fall, I'm sitting there watching the Packer game. Me and the Packer games, man... I don't miss a single play of the Packer games. Ask Barbara. You know, I am running to do things in between, and if it's just a simple timeout, I'm not going anywhere because I don't want to miss things when they come back. Super Bowl. I didn't miss a play of the Super Bowl, right? So Bethy calls while the Packer game's on. So I'm thinking, all right, I can do both of these. So I put the game on mute, real, you know, stealthy-like, right? I put the game on mute, and I try my best, best to, do the, to do both of these, but the truth is I'm not doing very well. And I'm obviously distracted. And I say obviously because it was even obvious to Bethy. Now, I didn't say I'm watching the Packer game. I didn't tell her what the score was. I didn't say, oh, we just scored a touchdown. I didn't even mention the game. I'm just trying to watch it, but I'm, I'm not there, right? So I just shut it off. I thought, I'm, I'm just going to be in this conversation. And about 10 minutes later, she thanks me for shutting off the game. Even though we didn't mention that the game was on, she knew the game was on, and she knew I was distracted just because how I was not engaged in that conversation. So we think we're fooling people sometimes, and we're not fooling people most of the time, right? So what we have to do is get rid of those conversations or get rid of those distractions so that we can have that, that effective communication, that conversation. So when I entered what I call the sound of silence, right, she could tell the difference. And, you know, my kids found out at an early age that I'm easily distracted. Lisa, can I get an amen to that? I'm easily distracted. So I'd be sitting at my desk working, Got a book over here, got the Oscar Wilde thing going, right? And I'm writing over here. And my kids would come up, and I'm telling you the truth. All I would hear was, hey, Daddy, can we? And then blah, 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 blah. Or is it okay if we? And then I'd be like, yeah, 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 that sounds cool. Let's, let's do that. Yeah, that sounds great. And then Barbara would come flying in out of nowhere and say, hey, do you know what you just agreed to? 
And I'd be like, agreed with who? What are we even talking about here, right? So easily distracted, right? So that's what we got to do. We got to set aside those distractions. We got to stop what we're doing so that we can have some effective communication. There's so much noise in our lives. Do you know there's apps now that are, their sole purpose is to have noise on them. You can have white noise. You can have pink noise. I just saw green noise. I was like, oh, I got to look into that. What's green noise, right? But the reality is that noise, that lack of silence, right, keeps us from effective communication. That noise keeps us from concentrating, right? Let me tell you what I mean. You can all relate to this. Before GPS, you're driving around, right? You get lost in a neighborhood. You're not sure what it is. What's the first thing you do? Turn on the radio, right? So we can concentrate on where we are and we don't get lost, right? I was with Jared the other day, and he had to shut the radio off so he could parallel park, right? I mean, so those things distract us, right? Keep us from doing these things and keep us from being effective. This guy by the name of Mike Moore, he wrote an article um, titled, uh, The Need for Silence in a Noisy World. The Need for Silence in a Noisy World. It's a pretty quick read, and it's a really good read. And in that article, he references a study that was conducted by Cornell University. And this study was to, uh, they were studying the impact of noise in a work environment, studying the effect of noise in a work environment. And what they found were that people that were subject to um, kind of the open office concept, which a lot of companies are going to, Pixar did it and they really did it effectively, but they did it differently. But um, when you're in this kind of open area, maybe there's uh, some cubicles and maybe not, but even if there's cubicles, there's a lot of noise going on, right? You got printers going on. And you know, when Holly is, pumping out like a newsletter or something, and that printer starts going, I'm like, how are we not rapping to that right now, right? I mean, how are we not singing a song that goes with that beat? I'm totally distracted by just a machine that's doing its thing, right? So in these other open office concepts, you know, so there's printers, there's telephones ringing, people having conversations. You're only hearing one side of the conversation, but you can't help tuning into it, right? There's other things going on, a shredder. Have you ever been in the same county with somebody shredding paper? I mean, how are we supposed to get any work done here? Idle gossip, conversations. I've got to walk over and kind of close my door sometimes because conversations, my mind goes to it and I can't deal with it. I can't, I can't you know, um, function or, or I'm not very effective. So here's what he found out, Mike Moore, here's what he found out. People that are subject to that kind of noise all day long, not only are they less productive, but he found out some surprising things that Cornell really dug into, and they did an extensive study on this that stood um, across, the, uh, across the spectrum. Um, not only less productive, they don't sleep well at night, people that are working in the open environment and being distracted all day, they don't sleep well. They have more health issues. Um, they have increased stress levels. Uh, increased frustration levels than those who work in a quiet environment or a more secluded environment where they have some place to go to get their work done. Those working in what I call the sound of silence, right? So now how does that work with God? How does that work with, with this guy named Samuel, this kid named Samuel? We read about a kid um, that is going into that sound of silence. Um, and this morning we're going to understand that it will, I'm going to use the word behoove here, it will behoove us, right? To adopt some of the childlike qualities that, that Samuel possesses. Because unlike most of us adults, right? Kids, listen, they're always, underlying all caps, always listening. Especially when we're thinking or sometimes maybe we're hoping they're not listening. You know exactly what I'm talking about, right? 
Today we're going to focus on uh, the story of a, of a child who listened and tuned into the voice of God. And because of that, he grew into a great leader of Israel, and Israel was from this one person who tuned into the voice of God in the sound of silence and actually paid attention and, excuse me, and obeyed. Before we dig into that story, before we dig into that historical context, I want to ask you a couple questions. It's kind of a gut check time. About halfway through the season of Lent, more or less third week of Lent, I have a couple questions for you. Number one, how well are you listening to the voice of God? How well are you listening to the voice of God? And question number two, and maybe I should have asked this one first, do you believe it's possible to hear the voice of God? Jesus was talking to some people who didn't believe it was possible to hear the voice of God. And he said, well, guess why you're not hearing it? Guess why you're not listening to it? How can you possibly then obey it? If we can't get past this first hurdle, we're literally tripping over it and laying on the track now. So as we look into the story of this young Samuel, I want you to open your heart Open your minds to how God is inviting you to listen to his voice and listen to his calling. And I'll tell you the truth, it's a lot simpler than you think. Our story really begins in 1 Samuel chapter 3, but I want to back up a little bit and get some background and some context here. Um, Samuel's mother's name is Hannah, and Hannah is childless for a long time. It's being really heavy on her life, and then she prays a really incredible prayer in 1 Samuel 1.11. She said, O Lord of heaven's armies, if you will look upon my sorrow and answer my prayer and give me a son, then I'll give him back to you. Braden, do we have that verse, uh, 1 Samuel 1.11? There we go. O Lord of heaven's armies, if you will look upon my sorrow and answer my prayer and give me a son, then I will give him back to you. He will be yours for his entire lifetime. And sure enough, Hannah gets pregnant, has a baby boy, names him, and I want you to look at this, I want you to look at his name. Samuel, right? Samuel. Now we started... Um, this kind of series of series a year ago, I don't know, we talked about the names of God, right? Talked about the names of God. And we were very um, specific about how God describes who he is. Um, and we looked at some names and we went through names every week, like El Shaddai, right? We've all heard of El Shaddai. That El is meaning God, right? El Elyon means that the El means God. And um, Elohim, the El means God. Well, the same is the, in the suffix here in Samuel. The El means God or like God. The first part in Hebrew is pronounced Shema. It means, it means in the dictionary, I've discovered this this morning as I was, as I was teaching this. Um, Shema means to hear, to listen, and to obey. And in the Hebrew dictionary, much to my surprise this morning, it lays out in that order. To hear, to listen, and to obey. You see the progression, right? You can't just hear something. If you just hear something, it's cacophony. Somebody dragging on your shoulder saying, hey, Daddy, can we... I heard that, but I didn't listen to it. Right? But then when we start listening to something, we start absorbing it. Right? And the only way we're going to be able to listen to it is if we get rid of that cacophony, get rid of that noise in our lives. Right? Because how can we possibly obey something that we haven't listened to? Right? Something that we might have casually heard. Right? We can hear a book drop on the floor and it doesn't do it. Right? That's hearing, but listening is actually engaging in something. 
How well are we doing that? Right? Samuel, to hear, to listen, to obey. So Hannah, Samuel's mom, brings him to the tabernacle of God in a place called Shiloh. And the high priest is this old guy named Eli. And again, that's El. That means, his name means to ascend, God to ascend. Eli has two sons who are priests who are doing a terrible job at life. But we'll park that one and talk about that another time. So uh, with the moments that we have left, and what I want to talk about really this morning are two aspects of listening to God. Two aspects of listening to God. Number one is the art of listening to God. And I've talked about that a lot already. What are the techniques of listening to God? Well, we're going to get more into that. And then I want to talk about the effect of listening to God. Samuel listened to God. What was the effect with Samuel? What would be the effect with us? First, the art of listening to God. So this 12-year-old boy in, in um, uh, 1 Samuel chapter 3, Samuel is about 12 years old at this point. He goes to bed. He hears his voice calling him. And he's probably heard this before. Right? He's probably heard this before. Not quite yet. We haven't heard, we've probably heard this before. So he gets up and he goes to Eli. And he says to Eli, what, what do you want? Because he serves Eli. So anytime Eli calls him, he goes, and Eli says, I didn't call you. Go back to bed. Now this happens three times. The third time Samuel goes to Eli and says, I, I, I'm hearing you. What, what is it that you want? Finally dawns on Eli and he says, whoa, that might be God speaking to you. That might be God calling to you. And then Eli gives Samuel the advice that I want you to take out the door with you this morning. He gives him the advice of a lifetime that we all need to be able to listen to, all need to be able to apply to our lives. How does this moment in 1 Samuel, this historical moment in Samuel, relate to our lives? It's right here. Eli told Samuel this in verse 9. Go lie down, and if he calls God, he calls, say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. We're going to do a one-act play here. I'm going to read the first part, and when we get to the speak, Lord, you guys are going to say that out loud. This is a prayer that Samuel prayed. We're talking to God, it's a prayer. Speak, because I'm listening. Samuel, I'm sorry, Eli told Samuel, everybody knows the assignment, right? Eli told Samuel, go and lie down, and if he calls, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Right. I'm not just hearing it, I'm listening. You have my attention. You have my undivided attention. I want to hear what you're talking about. I turn the Packer game off because you're important to me. I want to hear what you have to say. I'm here, and I'm attentive, and I get it now. So like I said, if you forget everything else I say this morning, remember that, 1 Samuel 3, 9. If you don't have a piece of paper in front of you, write it on your hand. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Samuel lays down, and out of that sound of silence, God calls him again. And Samuel says that. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. See, it had been a long time since God had talked to his people. Maybe God was waiting for a receptive ear. Maybe God was waiting for somebody to put away the cacophony of the world and say, I'm listening. Please speak. And of all the things that God could tell him right now, it's a message against Eli, the guy that he's serving. What do we learn from that? We learn that sometimes God speaks words of encouragement, right? Comforting words. And that's what we really want. Lord, give me those words of comfort. All right, I'm ready. 
I'm listening to those. I'm listening. Words of comfort. Did this, when Jesus was talking to these Jewish people, did that sound like words of comfort? But they were words of truth. Right? They were words of truth. Sometimes God speaks words that are kind of hard to hear. But they're always the truth. How do we know that they're the truth? Because they're his words. How do we recognize lies? Because they don't line up with this. How do we know when we're getting lied to? There's our litmus test right there. Samuel had the privilege of hearing the voice of truth. Right? Capital T. And he said, speak, I'm listening. So what does that have to do with us? Right? How do we apply that to our lives? How do we walk out the door different people than we walked in because of what we just heard and what we know now? And we may have heard this before, but like I said, God, reveal yourself to us in a way that we might not have seen before. Or maybe we heard it before and now we're just seeing it in a different way in a different light because the angle is just different. Turning the gem. Some ways we're different from Samuel. You know, we're not serving in a tabernacle. We're not called a prophet, not like Samuel was anyway. So what are we supposed to get out of this historical moment in the Bible that God records for us and lays out there for us? It's not just a good children's story. It is a great children's story, but it's not just a children's story. A few weeks ago, I quoted Jesus when he was having a, a, a good conversation with a person that was asking him about eternal life, right? He said, what's the greatest commandment? Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and all your strength. And what Jesus was doing was quoting Deuteronomy 6, right? Deuteronomy 6 has what we call the Shema in it. We recite it as Jewish people, we recite it twice a day. Part of it is right here in verse 4, Deuteronomy 6, verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. That word um, here, I want you to look at that. That's the Hebrew word Shema. That's why we call it the Shema, because it starts with hear, O Israel. Shema here is the same word that's used in the first part of Samuel's name. It's the first part of Samuel's name. Hear the Lord. And it's our invitation to, to listen to God. It's our invitation to listen to God the same way Samuel did that night. And I'm telling you the truth. God's telling you the truth. That invitation comes to us throughout the Bible. It's kind of a golden thread that goes all the way through the words. To listen to him. A word that comes, sometimes God is telling us things directly out of the sound of silence. And I think that's what everybody thinks when we talk about hearing the voice of God. Can I hear like Samuel did? I don't hear like Samuel did. Well, part of that is because, like Jesus said, you're not paying attention. So maybe that is part of what's going on. Jesus said it's more likely that you will hear through the prophets that are recorded here. So we can actually read what God is trying to tell us. And then he goes on to say, Jesus goes on to say that you can know God's word, you can hear his voice through his words that he has given us here. But not if we're distracted. Not if we got the game on. Not if we got some other thing going on. Not if we got somebody running a printer or a shredder or the telephone going, right? And we're not spending effective communication one-on-one. -on -one. We need to have that sound of silence. Most of the time, God is urging us to be in his word, to understand his words. Jesus taught that often. And Jesus said, you got to hear this. you got to listen to this, Matthew 11. 
Let anyone with ears hear. So God speaks out of that sound of silence. And sometimes that sound can be deafening. That silence can be deafening. So here's my encouragement to us. We're still in the middle of Lent. You know, Lent's not over. I'm asking you to make the time and the choice to create that silence in your life. To seek out that silence. When you're driving, yeah, we're Christian music, great. Yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah, nothing wrong with that. But every once in a while, maybe just shut it off and see if God's got something to tell us. See if God's got something to change our lives. Because here's the truth. No matter how you do it, listening to God changes everything. Listening to God changes everything. It changed Samuel's life. It changed a nation because of what Samuel listened to him. So I'm asking you to make the right choice. Block out the noise and the clatter that that we create for ourselves. We're creating that noise and that clutter for ourselves. Remember in 1 Samuel, it said, in 1 Samuel 3.1, it says this. It says, among, it's a long verse, but it says, word from the Lord was rare in those days. Word from the Lord was rare in those days. But later, after this moment, God is speaking to his people through a fire hose. It is coming down faster than we can comprehend it, faster than we can react to it. All because a 12-year-old boy chose to listen out of that sound of silence. I'll say it again. Listening to the voice of God changes everything. Little 12-year-old Samuel laid down on his mat in the silence and in the darkness and said this line that you're going to bring out the door with you this morning. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Little did he know that that prayer would change his life forever. That prayer would change his life forever. And here's what I'm telling you this morning. That prayer will change your life forever too. Amen? All right, would you please stand with me? And let's confess together what we believe.